Hey folks, welcome. We're excited to uh, be with you today. Doug Brown here, joined by my uh, tag team partner, Andrew Whitman. And we are excited to be back. It's uh, it's It's been fun to get into this. Um, we're still rolling out a, a lot of new ideas to some people, a uh, review to some folks. Um, but our purpose really here, and uh, I think I'm going to go ahead and name this. Is that okay? Day, go for it, I think I think I found a name I like. We're going with uh, Welcome to the Logos Uncovered. And, and here's why. Is that our purpose here is to help reveal truths that are either unknown, unclear, or misunderstood, especially those that are holding you back. And what's Logos? Just tell the folks what Logos Logos means the word. The written word. The written word. Right. That's the Greek word. There's two words for word, and Logos is the written word, right? So we're going to dive into the written word and uncover. Right. And we know that it, it, it may be... Uh, seem mysterious, seem like it's written in code. And so we, we want to help, again, uncover, unwind, untangle, unwrap. So that's what we're here to do. And we spent the first few episodes laying some foundational work. We talked about, you know, going back to the creation and why the world is the way it is and the fact that just because things happen, it's not always the will of God. In fact, if it didn't line up with the word, the word logos, <laughs> it's, it's, not. it's not. It's not his will. Uh, we talked about identity and, and developing your own your own identity and that kind of tying into spiritual health, and we'll talk more about that. And then last episode, we talked about purpose. So this episode, let's dive into a couple of, of, of misunderstandings because I know we're probably getting some, for those of you who've listened to the first few episodes, maybe a few questions out there. I know if I was new to this to the word and to the concept, I'd have some questions. My first would be, wait a minute, how is this God you're talking about so good when I read the Old Testament and I, I, I see all the stories of all these bad, terrible things that happened, and you look at the New Testament, it's like, wait, who is this the same guy? Like, what what's, what's up here? What's going on? <laughs> so, Andrew, talk to us about how can we make sense of God's character from a high level and... You know, let's get into it. Yeah, so um, the first way that God had ever introduces himself to us is as the creator, right? He's creating stuff, mm-hmm. um, and he and he introduces himself as. Um, and we look at when we when we dive into God's character, we look at what we call the names of God or how we name them, right? Like my, my daughter um, Michaela, that's her name that we call. I call her Mick. We all, she also has a nickname, Mac Attack, because she's an attack for lacrosse, except when she's play, playing MIDI, right? So it's like you have all these different, you know, we call you different things for different characteristics, right? I call my wife, you know, Kimmy or Kimmy Bunny. It just says, hey, Kimmy Bunny, what's up? You know, hey, Kimmy, right? Um, other people just know her as Kim or Mom or Miss Whitman, all right? So, uh, you know, I call you DB, Doug Brown, DB, what's up, DB? Right, then you're Doug, and you're also Dad, and you're also right. So, yeah. um, same thing with God. There's different, at, right? For some reason, we just have this idea. We check our brains at the door when it comes to God, and then everything gets thrown out the window. Right. So, here's God's character. All right. So, understand in the beginning, as the Creator, He created us in His image. Right. We talked about last week. The three-part being. being. But let's just take it as, all right, so we are created just like him. 
Okay, so when I look at my kids, I could see the characteristics that are just like me and the characteristics that are just like their mom, and then I could see characteristics that are like a, a blend of two of us. Mm-hmm. Right? So this is the same way. He's our father. He's our parent. Uh, guess what? My kids, it's funny because my kids, they're all fit. Every one of them. But I grew up as the fat kid. But remember, I joined the Marine Corps at 18 because I didn't want to be the fat kid my whole life. And I, was, and I swore I would never be fat again. So my entire lifestyle is eating clean. I do intermittent fasting. I mean, for, for years I've been doing intermittent fasting, eating clean, working out all the time. Right? I mean, it's fitness, nutrition, water. All my kids, they naturally did that. I don't make them do that. They just naturally did it because they're just like, and people, they, they think it's like a, it's a cuss. You're just like your father. And they'll be like, thank you. So listen, if you're you're a human, you're just like your father. So people be like, well, how could God be a jealous God? Well, you're his kid. How could you be a jealous kid? Are you ever have jealousy of anything? Like I heard like Oprah be all mad one time about how I couldn't serve a God that's jealous. That's not right. Well, you're created in his image. Do you get jealous of like, you know, Stedman or time with anybody? Do you? Like, I do. I'm jealous. I'm a jealous father. I like it when my kids are at home. I like it when they pay attention to me. I like it when I get to be included in their life. Like they invite me to go hang out with them and with their friends. But if I was always excluded, that's not going to make me. This is God's care. That's such a good perspective, though, because it is. It makes it more relatable in that in that sense. If you have the feelings and you got, it's it's just like, okay, that's the father, right? That's right. He's just like us. So his character is like, if you have a, listen, if you're a kid, you ever were a kid or you have kids, would you as a parent or would your parent ever strike you down with cancer to because you were late for curfew or you told a lie or you made a mistake or you did something on purpose? They're still not going to strike you with cancer or make you sick or break their arm. Like, so God's not doing that either. That's not his character. He's your father. We're created in his image. We're his offspring. And so if you wouldn't do it or your parents wouldn't do it, it even says that in the New Testament. Jesus is like, hey, man, your father, your heavenly father, is way better than your earthly father. He's going to give you way better stuff, but your earthly father is not going to give your kid a snake if he asks for scrambled eggs in the morning. Oh, here, have a serpent. Let it, here's a rattlesnake. Let it bite you. Dad, can I have eggs? No, you can have a rattlesnake. That's just stupid. There's no difference, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's no difference between, well, the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament. This is God. I didn't have, like, there's not Andrew, you know, the old Andrew and the new Andrew. I was just Andrew. I don't have, like, there's not a split, and I had a split personality, and then I'm I'm totally, you know, it's just, uh, it's not, it's just ridiculous. Well, and that's fair. Would you say that it, his character was revealed throughout the timeline so that we... Well, yeah, we, just like, let's say, okay, so when you were dating your wife, how long ago was that when you first met her? Yeah, a few years back. 13, She's like, 14. I don't even want to say, right? Yeah, um, <laughs> it's been, been a minute. Right. <laughs> Doesn't feel like it, but it's been a minute. The longer that you know her and the more things that you experience together or apart, that you're a part of her life, is her not character more revealed to you as you go along? Or did the first day that you met her, did you have the same understanding of her character and her heart as you do today? Oh, absolutely. It grew from day to day. Right, and it's still continuing. I mean, absolutely. listen, I've been married like 31 years. I mean, 
I, I know my wife better than probably anybody on the planet, and she knows me better. But we still are learning about each other every day. The more time we spend as we go, right, the more intimate our knowledge of each other is and our trust of the other. Listen, I know my wife's heart. After 31 years, she ain't never left me in a fight. Tomorrow, I'm not going to all of a sudden think that she is. Mm. And the reason that you don't think that God's good is because you don't know him. You don't know his character because you haven't spent time with him. You're here. Listen, <laughs> this is the funny thing, man. My wife, when I met her, right, I dated her. Then we got married. We stayed together uh, all this time. We're together. It wasn't by mail order or I didn't marry her. But all the all I knew of her was that you were telling me about her. Like you knew her mm-hmm. and you were telling me, listen, she's awesome or she's not awesome. And all I got was second or third hand information. I never actually spent any time with her. I was just my I'm married to her, but I've never met her. All I know from her is second and third hand information from people that do know her, but I never met her. This is what's going on today with God. Mm. Right. Let's talk for a second about his mission once you know out of the gate planet falls all that stuff happens that wasn't his intentional plan obviously but things change now we gotta now we gotta scramble and that may not be the right word but we've got to come up with uh, as the the creator's got to come up with a way to redeem the planet to get things back in natural order right and that's always been his mission was to keep the family together so he created a family. He's lonely. He wants a family. Right. Right. So if you look in, and I'm just going to throw this scripture out here because you look at it and I'm not making it up. Right. Here's his purpose. You want to know from the beginning to the end, he created a family. It's Ephesians 3 and verse 14 and 15. He says this, for this cause, uh, this is Paul praying. He said, for this cause, I bow my knees unto the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, in case you didn't know who it was, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. So the whole family is named, and then if you flip back to Ephesians 1, you find out that his whole entire thing was to, in Ephesians 1 verse 10, says that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, that's the Old Testament, the New Testament, we went through all this thing since Adam, Eve, and fruit salad, that when we get all the way to the end, here's his purpose, the Father's purpose is that he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are in earth, even in him, the whole family. That's heaven and earth is named. That's his purpose, that he would gather us all together in one. And listen, this is what families do. I'm a dad. My favorite thing on the planet, now that my kids are like older and they're all, they went to college, right? my favorite thing is that we gather together in the house at like Christmas time. We're all in the house together. Like this time right now during this COVID-19 thing, it's the greatest thing for me and my wife because all five of us are under the same roof. It hasn't happened in like four years except on one day here, one day there. I mean, this is so great. This is how God feels about us. He wants to gather us all together, and that's his character from the very beginning. That's why he even created Adam and Eve because he wanted a family. Yeah, and I look at like the different things and events that happen along the way, right? From from Adam to Noah to Abraham and, you know, e- even up until the birth of Christ. And to me, like, his, his the things that happened along the way and the things that were done and, and 
you know, whether it was the children of Israel or whoever, it, it, to me it always looked like a mama bear guarding its cub, protecting and and uh, trying to shield from threats um, and taking out an enemy when, when, when you know, always. something came up, right? I mean, right. It, 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 and, then, and then Jesus comes and it's like, now you have God here on earth in the flesh. Talk about that transition and, and you know, from from a father's perspective of looking down and seeing, you know, the son go to work, right? Like, it's son, it's your time. I'm putting you in the game. Yeah, well, the whole purpose of Jesus was to, to get man back. So what happened when, you know, it says Adam sinned. It wasn't Eve. God told Adam, don't eat the fruit. Eve did, and so an Adam, instead of saying, oh, baby, let's put that back. We can't eat that. We're not eating that. And he said, all right, baby, and for a penny and for a pound, we'll be it together. And so, yum, 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 right? And then that's where he blew it. He settled for less. Right. He missed the target. That's what the sin is. He missed it. Boom, he fired, and it went off target. It says that in, in the King James, it says, in dying, he died, right? And surely in dying that you died. It literally says in the Hebrew that he died, died. He died twice. He first died spiritually, and then because God didn't want to leave him in that state of disease and sickness for eternity, then he died. He began to die physically, and it took him like 900-plus years to die physically. But he died spiritually, and, though it said, and it says over in Corinthians that he became a living soul. So now he went from three-part being... He, he ate the fruit, and then he became a two-part being because the part of him that made him like God died. So now you're not in God's image anymore. You're a two-part being. In fact, you're, you're, you know, it's almost, you know, you're warped. You're a different creature than God created you. Now, when it says, and this is getting deep, but when you come out of the birth canal, you're, you still are a three-part being, right? At some point when you know right from wrong, which we call it the age of accountability. When you know what you're doing is wrong, that's when your spirit dies. So, like, that's why babies go to heaven, because they don't know, right? So, And you literally yeah. could be like a 50-year-old baby. Like, if you have not mentally advanced to where you know right from wrong, your spirit would still be alive. And so I, it's different for every person when you know that you ain't doing what you're supposed to be, when you know right from wrong, right? So that's when your spirit dies, and now you're out alone apart from God. Right when you're not innocent anymore, because Adam was innocent till he ate the fruit. Then he was alone. His spirit died uh, out apart from God. Now he's alone. Hey man, I'm naked. Like if you know you're naked, because babies don't know they're naked, they don't right. even care. Yeah. The part you know when you're naked, that's when you know your spirit has died. Okay, so now God's like, oh man, I just lost my family. It was like the part of him that makes him right. The spirit, the eternal spirit, right? eternal life, that perpetual Zoe is the Greek word for it. Eternal life, perpetual Zoe, perpetual, instantly and constantly new. That part died off. Right. And he's like, I got to get my kids back. And out of that, so that's the whole point of bringing Jesus here was to find out a way to legally get his kids back, to buy them back so that they could, their spirit could be, and that's what we call being born again, born of the spirit, right? That you could accept Jesus, that spirit comes back alive, and now you're back to being that three-part being. Okay, let's break that down for a second, because um, you introduced the concept of, of Zoe, and I guess before I go any further, for those of you who aren't familiar with the, the Bible, the, the, the 
translations we're reading are in English. The Old Testament, though, was originally written um, in Hebrew, ancient Hebrew, right? Yeah. Um, Aramaic and Chaldean. Aramaic, yeah. Right. And then the New Testament was mostly written in Greek. Yeah, all Greek. Yeah. All, so those languages don't always translate to English very well. And you said the, uh, the other day that if you're only reading the English Bible, you're probably getting, what, maybe 10%? Yeah, about ten percent, man. But it's like tip of the so, iceberg because, like, there's three different words for life right. in, the, in the New Testament, and that's what I was going to ask you yeah. about. So the there is there are some resources you can go to. Um, Esword.net. That's a big one. That's an app that that has everything you need to know on on on. Get the King James Plus if you're going to download it because it gives you word for word the Hebrew or the Greek language. Right? So you can click on it. There's a little index number at the top. If you didn't know what that was, you could click on that, and at the bottom of your phone, it'll tell you what the Greek or the Hebrew word is, and then what it mean, all of its different meanings. Right, and every single word has a little number by that, so mm-hmm. you can see... Word for word, right? That's word why we word. like the King James Plus, because right. it's a transliteration. Right. Like, I know word for word what the Greek or the Hebrew was. That's the only one we can do that with. Right, right. So you get that, you're able to see, click on, say... Without learning Hebrew or Greek, <laughs> right? <laughs> which you don't need to. The yeah. technology's it's, there now. Like awesome. I did. I mean, I mean, you know, my dad was my Greek mentor. He yeah. taught me the right. He's a master's in Greek. He has a master's in Greek. But right, so and I study the Hebrew and I do. But you don't have to. It's already done for you in so this easy. app, right? Yeah, it's so easy. And it'll really it'll it'll give you a better appreciation, understanding for uh, for for the word and, and probably more depth, if anything else. But well, it will uncover that logos, yeah. right? Because yeah. we're uncovering, like if when it says the word life, there's three different Greek right. words for life. So let's talk about that because you just mentioned you mentioned life. So so there's bios. Which is natural life. That's our body eating, sleeping, drinking, pooping, right? Breathing. Bios, it's plant life, it's animal life. That's where we get the word biology from, bios. Then, and that's translated life. Um, then the next one is suke. Suke is the Greek word. It means it's where we get the word psychology from or soul. It's literally your soul. It's your mind, will, and emotion. So th- there'd be times where in the Bible it talks about life. Like, so here uh, it, it is a great example of suke which you would think that this is bios when I say it. Greater love has no man than who lays down his life for his friends. That word lays down his life for his friends, the way it's used in modern culture is you give up your physical life, your bios. Like, uh, you know, a soldier, and you, or you two guys are out in a firefight together, and your buddy throws himself on a grenade for you, and no greater love has any man that lays down his life, bios, for his friends. That's not the word. The word is suke. No greater love has many men that lays down his mind, will, and emotions for his friends, which is way harder to put your own agenda on the back burner. Like, this is a really great friend that I put your well-being and your agenda ahead of my agenda. That's what Jesus did. Mm-hmm. He put his own, because he's the son of God, like king of kings, lord of lords, and he comes down here, right, to get on the cross, be beaten, and go into hell. That's not on my... Listen, if I'm king of kings, it ain't on my agenda. And listen, I know, when I look at humanity, there's no way. If it was me, I ain't getting up on that cross. I'd be yeah, like, not for you, point. knuckleheads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. So that's right. So And then the final word is zoe. The Greek word zoe, which is the life of God. It's the life that's in the Holy Spirit. It's the life that's in the Father. It's the part of, right? It's eternal, and that word eternal means perpetual. It's instantly and constantly renewed. Listen, that's when you get born again, your spirit. It says he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit. You get zoe. You get the life of God back on the inside of you. It's not bios. It ain't your heart beating that's keeping you alive anymore, right? And 
people say your immortal soul. Yes, your soul is immortal. Whether you your spirit is alive unto God or not, your soul is immortal. Immortal means it doesn't die off. It doesn't cease to exist. It is what it is. But Zoe, it's instantly and constantly brand new. It's like a battery that's always charged on full. It's like a gas tank that never goes below full. Your soul is just what it is. It does it just right. So do you see the difference? Yeah. So two questions on that. Um, one, the concept of eternal life. For I think a, most people in, in mainline denominations or really in, in the body of Christ overall believe that that means when you die. Let's talk about that for a second because that's a myth that we can kind of bust up here a little bit. And if we ruffle some feathers, I sorry, but th- it is what it is. Would you rather know what the word really says and yeah. what it means? You you get that life the second that you get born again. The second you believe on Jesus, right? We all know this, like John three sixteen. Right. John three sixteen. I'm going to read it, right? Not just quote it. Um, I want to read it. So uh, because there's some really tight nuance here. John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have, have, if I have something, is that past tense, present tense, or future tense, Doug? It's right now. I have a bottle of water in my hand. Right. I have eternal or everlasting life, which is perpetual zoe. I have perpetual zoe. So if you... Listen, God loved you so much that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, anybody that believes on him, the second that you believe on him, not only would you not perish, but you have right now, the second that you believe on him, like I have this bottle of water in my hand, perpetual Zoe, not some day in the sweet by and by when I get called up to Beulah land. The other thing, the term, that kind of goes along with that is this, this whole term, this concept of, of, of born again. Again, that's one of those things that if you grew up, say, Methodist, Presbyterian, you may not hear that, or Catholic. You may not hear that term, and, and you hear the term, oh, that person, they're a, they're a born-again Christian. Um, talked about what exactly that means to be to be born again, and right. and how do we do it, and, and does it is it, <laughs> is it something we should feel weird about? Because it feels well, a little strange for a lot of people to say, if they were looking there and say, I'm a born-again Christian. They yeah. would not say that. Yeah, no, it's because of the connotation, right? Right. So, it, in fact, that same chapter, it's John chapter 3, and I'm just going to read through it, and we'll just go through it, okay? So, there, a, a certain man named, and it has a Pharisee, a lawyer, one of the religious leaders of the day, but Pharisees weren't just religious leaders, they're also lawyers. They were the prosecuting attorneys, right, of the Jewish law, named Nicodemus, and he's a ruler of the Jews, so he's like a mayor, city council, right? He's on the governor's cabinet, Right. Is it the same guy? He comes to Jesus in verse two by night, so he's sneaking in because he doesn't want anybody to see him asking these questions. That's pretty funny. Yeah, it is pretty funny. But you know, so he's protecting his brand. Right. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell anybody. Right, don't tell anybody I'm talking to Jesus. <laughs> so he comes up and he says, "Rabbi or Master, right? We know that you're from God. You're a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles except that you come from God and you're with Him." And Jesus answered him and said, "Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God." And Nicodemus says, and this is the first time this is ever, I mean, he just like, Nicodemus is coming to him and he's like hyping him up. He's like, man, you're from God. And Jesus said, man, you can't even know what get in the kingdom unless you're born again. And Nicodemus in verse four says, uh, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he, now this is a lawyer. 
He's a JD, a doctorate of the law. He's straight on to, like, the straight city to, council. Straight to the facts, right? <laughs> this guy, he said, how can you be born? <laughs> can he, listen to this, can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Now, I don't know if he's like sassing Jesus or he's like legitimately like, is he like being sarcastic? Yeah, like, hey, can, how is this going to happen? Yeah, he's like, literally, man, what am I going to get back into my mom's womb again and come out? Like, come on, you know. And Jesus said, verily, verily, or truly, truly. Or he said, listen up. I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not, or don't be shocked that I'm telling you this stuff. You have to be born again. Now, there's so much stuff in here, but what he says is like born of water and born of the Spirit. Listen, when my wife was pregnant with our first, we thought she was in labor. So we go to the hospital. And the doctor's like, you're not in labor. It's not happening. You got at least a couple more days. Just go home. So we go Which home. Which is awesome when that happens like at one in the morning. Yeah. And she hasn't slept in like That's eight what and it half is. months. That's right. what it was. And like, dude, please, just, can we just get That's this That's exactly thing what happened. So, yeah. But on the way home, I stopped at Taco Bell because it was still open in the yeah. drive-thru. I got some Taco Bell. We get in the bed. <laughs> an hour and a half later, I finally doze off to sleep. She's kind of tossing a turn. And guess what happens is the water breaks. Right. And it's all over the bed. Game on. Uh. Two hours later, <laughs> my firstborn pops out. He's right. born of water. Right. The water breaks. So that's physically being born. So you have to physically be born. So listen, in order for you to be in the kingdom of God, you actually have to physically be born. If you were hatched, you came from the alien world of Mars or Neptune or Uranus, you're not available. You can't be in the kingdom. So you have to be born first off, which is funny, but it's legal. Like, you have to be actually a citizen of planet Earth. You have to be born. You have to be human. You have to be part of this God class being. It's like, a, like being a naturalized citizen. Right? Yeah, it is right. You have to be born. So if you were born, <laughs> congratulations, you made the first cut. Right. If you were born. Right. So then the second thing is, he said, then you have to be born of the Spirit. And that's when you believe. And that's when he said, oh, that's, that's John 3. And he's telling him this in John 3, right, 5 and 6. And as the conversation goes, that's when he says, John three sixteen. here's how it happens. Be born of the Spirit is just believe on me. That's what Jesus, it's in red. He said, just believe on me. Listen, God sent me down here. I'm his only begotten son right now. If you believe on me, you'll be born the second time. Your spirit will come alive unto God. And now I won't be by myself. I won't be the only begotten son. I'll have a bunch of brothers and sisters. So... Let's, let's, let's pause for a second. So what you're saying is anybody who believes on Jesus is, by definition, born, born again. Born again. Reborn. Born of the Spirit. Right. If you call yourself a Christian, Means by nothing. definition, what, if, you, if you call yourself a Christian, if you're a Christian and you believe on Jesus. Yeah, well, so I mean I could say I'm I could be a Hindu, I could be a Buddhist, I could be a Muslim, I could be a Shint, I could be you know, a Sikh, I could be it doesn't matter if I believe on Jesus. Mm -hmm. Say so this will shock some people. Cuz you could call yourself I could call myself a car, that doesn't make me a car. Well, that's true. Yeah. I don't care what label I'm giving myself, right? It doesn't matter. Right? And it and notice here, I didn't have to come to the altar and say a certain a certain script or a certain prayer and close the deal, and I didn't have to have somebody leave. He just said, if you just, believe right. that Jesus, the Son of God, came for you, you believe on him, you're going to have 
in your hand, like this bottle of water, the second that you believe you have perpetual Zoe, which will blow a lot of religion. You don't have to get baptized. You don't have to be in a certain church or not in a certain church. You don't have to be a label of a certain religion or not a certain religion. If you believe, then you're born of the Spirit. Your spirit comes alive unto God. And now, congratulations, you're Jesus' younger brother or sister. Right, and don't feel weird about it. <laughs> not only don't feel weird about yeah. it, like you should feel great about yes. it. Yes, yeah. I guess my point was saying is that there's there's probably a lot of people out there that are believers that don't consider themselves quote unquote born again Christians, and and it's just it's kind of ironic. That's all. Um, it, it whether it's uh, uh, just vernacular or whatever. My point is that yeah, you, you can't be a believer, a true believer, and not. Right, it's impossible. You can't believe on Jesus and not be born. So anyway, wanted to clear that. I think that's one of those things that kind of hangs around. It's one of those myths. And anyway, I'm glad. Thank you for clearing that up. Let's talk a little bit about um, the concept of peace because the other the other day you mentioned that life and peace go hand in hand together, right? So we have this the Zoe life of God. We get it when we're um, become believers. It's available. It starts now. It's not, you know. In the by and by, when we're when we're dead and gone and get to heaven, um, but let's talk about what does that mean for us here on Earth? And again, helping uncover some of these myths, misunderstandings. Um. Yeah, I get, I want to start. Oh, let's just go. And I I I talked about this. You know, I just did. You know that I just put out a message called uh, Catalog of Truths, the beginning of Catalog of Truths, right? So, and I I used this scripture, and I've used it in the Zoe Life series and and this this terminology this phrase is used like over 17 times in the new testament it's in second peter uh, 1 verse 2 it says grace and peace be multiplied unto you grace and peace and paul uses it peter uses it john uses it grace and peace 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 be unto you it's not just some little like you even say it in church right peace be unto you peace be unto you right grace and peace grace and peace uh grace is just the word uh, in the greek word it's the word Charis, or we get the word charisma from it, doing a favor, um, somebody giving you, you know, doing you a favor. And let's think of people that have more charisma have more people doing them favors. It just, that's what, it, so that's grace and peace. That's God doing you a favor. But the word peace in the Greek is uh, Irene, where we get the word, the name Irene, right? Irene is the Greek word for peace. And here's the definition of that in the New Testament. That Greek New, is that you would be exempt from the rage and the havoc of war. Irene, peace. So he says, hey, listen, God do you a favor and peace that you would be exempt from the rage and havoc of war be multiplied unto you. So you're not exempt from the war. Listen, what's going on right now? There's there's like a, a war on our health going on and our health care system. There's a war going on our uh, economy, the economic system. There's a war going on on the geopolitical system. The entire planet is under these different attacks. There's wars going on. And uh, Trump calls it the invisible enemy. It's very funny that that's what it is, is an invisible enemy. <laughs> but it's not just the disease. Uh, again, uh, Satan, Lucifer, he's really torqued. If you remember last time, or a couple times ago, we mm-hmm. talked, he was the god of this world. Now Adam's the new favorite. He's the apple of God's eye. He wants to knock him out and keep, right? So then when Jesus came and gave us the planet back legally to anybody that believes on him, we're back to being like he was. Jesus was called the second Adam. We're just right back in the saddle, and now the planet is ours to take over, and that's why 
Christians or born again people are so persecuted because Satan hates you. And he is the invisible enemy, right? So he's trying to take you out. And for us, well, I mean, I, listen, man, I got peace. I'm exempt from that. You could not, you could do rage, go crazy, hurricanes, tornadoes, all these things that are quote acts of God. They are acts of God, but not not my Father God, but mm-hmm. God of this world, Satan God. Right. Um, you know, God ain't our Father is not doing this to anybody because it says His wrath is not for. We talked about that before. His whole plan is to get everybody back. He's not holding one thing against you. Yeah. Um. So. Peace is that you would be exempt. If you're born again, you should be exempt. And I say should be because it's your choice. Because there's a lot of people that believed on Jesus. Like I believed on Jesus when I was six years old. I got born again when I was six. I know a lot of people that are. And then just like naturally when you grow up after you were born physically, you have to do stuff to grow. You have to feed, and your mom has to nurture you and change your diapers, and then they teach you in school, and you grow up. You don't just grow up automatically. Well, spiritually, is the same thing. There's a lot of people that are spiritual babies. They were got born again when they were six or seven years old, and now they're forty or fifty, and they're still a six or seven—I mean, six or seven-month-old spiritually. So, because then the rest of this verse is grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. So the more that you get to know your father, the more that you would be exempt from the rage and havoc of war. So once you get to know his character more, not just like second or third hand information from whatever the minister tells you, (laughs) right? Or what you heard on the interwebs or somebody on TV or grandma or even your own parents, you have to find out for yourself that's knowledge is intimate. That's knowledge through observation through identification, through experience, through investigation, not just watching a documentary on it. The more you get to know God, your father, and your big brother, Jesus, our Lord, the more that you would experience the exemption of the rage and havoc of war. That's a lot of stuff there to unpack. But... um. I like how you, t- you talk about the big, the key word there is not from the, you're exempt from the rage and havoc, not from the war itself, right? So it's not that you're protected, you're in this little bubble that it's like nothing's happening, and you can act like nothing's happening. So we talked about the other day is to have a peace of mind when these things are happening to be the calm in, in somebody else's storm, right? Is is to be to be that light in the darkness, not not someone who's screaming, raging, freaking out, emotional. But that's how you know, right? If 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 you truly are following the Spirit. Well, not, I mean, it just goes back to the knowledge of God. Like, what right. do you, what do you know about Him? Right. What do you know about your Father? Like, I know. I'm listen, man. I'm so dialed into my Father's character. And this is why people could get burned at the stake, right? Like, and not recant that they're born again. Not recant Jesus, right? Because I know his character. Like, you can literally, I mean, John, uh, the Apostle John, you know what? He wrote the book of Revelation, the Apocalypse. Mm -hmm. It's because they tried to boil him, boil him in a vat of oil. There's a vat of boiling oil, and they put him in it. And he's like, hey, what's up? (laughs) And so they couldn't kill him. Yeah. 
Like, you know, we're going to burn, we'll boil you if you don't renounce Jesus. He's like, yeah, whatever, man, you can't kill me. Couldn't kill Jesus. I'm just like Jesus is. See, that's what John even says that in his letter. He says, the way that Jesus is, we are right now in this world. Right. John, the apostle John, really literally believed you can't kill him. So they put him on this isle of Patmos. They're like, well, let's exile him. So he's out there, and then he writes the book of Revelation. Then he gets off that island after so many years, and he becomes like the archbishop of the church of Ephesus. Right. He's the like, you can't kill this guy. Like, that's literally the same, like, because he knows the, his father's character. And when you know your father's character, listen, nobody, you could come up to me and tell me that my wife is cheating on me. And I will laugh in your face. <laughs> You're like, no, I saw her out. I'm like, yeah, whatever, man. 31 years, we've been through every battle you could think of together, shoulder to shoulder. I guarantee you, my first thought is not, oh my gosh, she's cheating on me. Guarantee it. Like you could, you could even give me photos and I'm going to tell you those are photoshopped. Right. Uh, not going to get me right. So the same thing with God. I'm so, I have so deep, intimate, personal knowledge of his character because I studied this logos, this written word. I study it, man. I want to know, you know, I'm going to investigate. That's what investigative knowledge, right? I'm going to observe. I'm going to dive in and experience this stuff with him. You can't get me off of it. I, was, I really, I don't get spun up over any of this. In fact, I almost, I'm, I hate to say this, right? I like it when bad stuff happens. Yeah, we talked about that the other day. And, and uh, you know, hopefully people are using time, this time as, as a chance to do that. You know, dig in, dig into something. You know, gosh, I mean, you can only watch so many hours of Netflix, right? Especially, right, and watch so many, you know, yeah. memes on Facebook yeah. or Twitter or Instagram or whatever, you know. So talk and listen, I love Baby Yoda memes as much as anybody, okay? <laughs> yeah, I love yeah. my Baby Yoda memes. And I love the shorts of the Seinfeld. They make me laugh, right? Yeah. But, I, you know, I'm not feeding on that. Right. I mean, listen, I, I mean, man, I, I watched I watched that, that Tiger King episode on Netflix. I don't even know what that is. It, don't waste your time. Okay. It's I, crazy. I it was like, <laughs> but, yeah, it's like, okay, we'll take a little break and let's, uh, let's look at something that's funny. But, man, it, it made me grateful for, gosh, I'm not like those people because... Uh, I don't know. Well, I'm I'm grateful that, <laughs> and here's the thing with every person. This is a veil. Listen, I know this sounds like I'm, you know, because I'm like, wow, man, it's sad if you're not in the covenant and you're sad you don't have protection. It's sad if your business goes. It's sad. It is totally sad. I don't want anybody to be sick. I don't want anybody to lose their job. I actually hate all of those things. It's on right. the evil. Any adversity. I hate when anybody's in distress. I mean, I literally, I feel like it physically repulses me that somebody is sick. It physically repulses me that somebody's in poverty. I absolutely, but here's the thing. God's not need-driven, right? God's faith-driven. And just like me as a parent, I know my kids have needs, and I want to take care of them. But what if every time I tried to feed them, called them to the dinner table, they were like, no, nah, I don't want your food. I don't even believe you want me. To, I don't even believe you love me. In fact, I think that you're probably trying to teach me something by not feeding me. I'm No, here's the food right here. No, nah, I don't care. I know, I know, you know, right? So this is how, please, please, if, you, if you're if you sick of where you are, and that's what I told you when you first walked in this morning, I know it's bad out there because the headline on my Yahoo aggregator was America turns to prayer. Don't wait until it's bad to turn to right. The smart ones of us turn to our Father when it's a good time, like when everything's going great, and, and stay with Him, whether it's going great or it's not going great. So I encourage you, man, this is available to everybody it's not that I'm glad I'm not like you. 
I, we're all, this is available. You have to be literally insane to not believe on Jesus. You literally, if you knew what the benefits of the covenant were, you have to literally be insane to reject God. Let's talk about that a little further. Let's talk about the benefits of the covenant, particularly as it pertains to peace and the way it's first introduced us in, in the Old Testament. Well, I mean, the first time in, in the covenant, and I know it's, it's like a big word, but it literally means it's, it's more than a contract. And so back in the day of Nimrod, right, Tower of Babel and all that, Nimrod was like a mighty hunter against God. You know, he's one of the, you know, the, the great legendary, you know, the first grand poobah, if you will, right? Yeah. <laughs> he's the first Zeus or uh, uh, Hercules or whatever. Right? So here's Nimrod. So Nimrod, under his rule, they came up with a way to make a binding contract or agreement that was, it's more than a contract. It's literally, it's, it's called blood covenant. And they would do these nine steps of this ritual that you would go through these nine steps. And at the end of it, that means the contract is sealed. So today it's like closing on a house. Okay. Or a marriage is a blood covenant, right? But not really because we undo it with a divorce and our annulment. But that's what, it's a contract. It's a, it's a completely binding contract. There's no way out of it. There's no loopholes. There's no, if you say I'm in and we're in, we do these nine steps and then that's it. That's where handshaking came from. Like the part of it, we would cut our palms and mix our blood with our handshake and we'd become like the old blood brothers. Yeah. The handshake is still part of the covenant. Um, ritual. It's one of the steps of the ritual. That was pagan. These guys did not, they didn't want anything to do with God. They're building the Tower of Babel. We'll make a name for ourselves. They have all these other gods, right? Like Zeus and Apollo. This, is, this would be like between... Noah and Abraham. Yes, between Noah and Abraham. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So this is the law of the land after you know Noah gets off the flood and they're rebuilding everything. And yet, so the law of the land was this blood covenant process. That's why it says in the New Testament that it's man's covenant. God comes down and he's like, "All right, that's what your law is. We're going to do it based on your because this is a, this is God's character. He always meets you or me where we're at." You never have to come up to him. This is where, listen, this is where religion has screwed it up because religion says you got to get yourself clean before you can come in our door or before we'll accept you into our flock. God says, I'll meet you where you are. I don't even care. I love you so much. Right? It's just like me with my kids. I don't care where they are. I'm going to come get them. I, I, they could be like, hey, Dad, we're at this party. I don't care. I'm coming to get you. Right. Please call me first before right. you get in a car with anybody that's drunk or you do. I, I don't care if you're in jail. I will come get you. I love you so much. It doesn't even matter. We could deal with all that other stuff later, but this is God's character. Mm -hmm. So that's what the covenant was. So he came in and he created this. He went through these steps that Nimrod, a guy who was totally against God, that's his testimony. <laughs> that's what they say about him, a mighty hunter against God. Right? He uses those steps and he, he's looking for somebody who would do that. Who's going to enter into covenant with me? Well, he looks for 2,000 years and he finally finds a guy named Abraham. Here's what he says to Abraham first. Hey, man, I'm God. I'll make you rich. Wait, what? He says, listen, you come with me and I'll make you rich. And Abraham was like, because Abraham was worshiping the moon god, Herky the moon god. So he doesn't, he doesn't worship God at this point. God says, hey, man, I'm God almighty. I'm the God, I'll, El Shaddai. I'm the God that's more than enough. Listen, you come with me and I'm going to make you rich. And Abraham's like, man, I'm already, I can get money anywhere. But what Abraham did, he was married to um, a, a girl named, a smoking hot chick named Sarah. 
Right, Abraham's at this point, he's 75, Sarah's at 65, but what he didn't have, he had money, he could get money, you can get money anywhere. What he couldn't get was a kid. He wanted a baby. He wanted an heir. He wanted bloodline, just like God wanted to create us. He wants an heir, he wants a bloodline. So Abraham's like, well, I can, you know, yeah, I'll make you rich. Yeah, okay, that's good. And then God says, I'll tell you what, I'll sweeten the pot. I'll make you a daddy. I'll get you a kid. I'll, you'll have a baby. And Abraham's like, what? Got his attention, huh? Yeah, he's like, well, okay, money plus a kid. I might be able to, you know, what What do you want me to do? I want you to get out of here, get away from your family. That's the first thing you got to do is get away from these knuckleheads. And you come down here to a place I'll show you, and then we can go to work. So, and that's that was the beginning of how God introduced himself to Abraham, which is the covenant, the father of many nations, right? He's the father of all the faiths. He's the father of the faith of Christianity. He's the father of the faith of Judaism. He's the father of the faith of Islam. All the monotheistic religions, he's the father of that faith. And everybody could track their line right back to him. And he he entered into that covenant with God. And God got him on, oh, hey, look, man, I'll make you rich and I'll get you a baby. How you like me now? And that's how it started. Hmm. And that's God's character. He's always coming to you where you're at. See, he didn't tell Abraham, you know, come over here and when you, you know, clean your act up and get it together, and then when you come over here and you get dressed up nice and you stop doing, you know, worshiping the Herky the Moon God and you stop being a pagan, then we could talk. That's not what God's care. He said, listen, and I know you're worshiping the Moon God. I'll do better than him. Come with me and I'll give you all your, I'll make all your dreams come true. Meet you where you're at. See, and that's his character. He's going to meet you wherever you're at. So this is what I tell you, man. It makes me sad. If you're on the sickbed, you know, with coronavirus or any of the other, you know, things that would kill the 2.2 million Americans that die every year, whether we have coronavirus or not, yet God wants to heal you. Mm-hmm. If you can't make your bills, God wants you to live. Right? Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Your soul prospers based on knowledge of him. You got to get to know him. Your mind, motions, and will. You have to take your will and force your mind, right, to learn about your father. And then suddenly your emotions aren't so out of out of whack. Why you let me talk so long, then? Dude, you're flowing, man. I'm not gonna interrupt that. <laughs> you should interrupt him. There's a lot of directions we can go with this. Um I would love, love, love to jump into Abraham and unpack that. I think we better save that for another 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 episode though um let's talk real quick on the hebrew definition of the word peace we kind of teased on that earlier yeah that's the old testament that's where we first the original yeah it's, it's and everyone knows you know what it is come on man it's shalom well, I know that, but yeah, some but there, I think everybody, yeah, but they know the word shalom. You've heard shalom before, heard, like, heard hey, shalom, shalom, right? right? Yeah, shalom, so, but, right. but but again, there's there's more depth to this than just the word peace. And you can talk about your story and how you came across the meaning of this word, and and you know, I think it's gonna probably open some eyes a little bit. Yeah, so um, I just used the scripture Isaiah twenty six and verse three. It says that will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusts in thee. And that it says perfect peace, but in the Hebrew, it actually says peace, peace, shalom, shalom, double shot of shalom. So you get a double shot of shalom, whose mind is stayed on thee. And so, um, you know, I was like the like the literal definition of shalom is seven parts of peace. It's safety, and then it's spiritual health physical health, emotional health, mental health, 
um, social health, harmonious relationships, and financial health. See, that's a that that's a whole lot deeper and more comprehensive than just the absence of war, which Correct. is how we think of the not word just peace. A, not the absence of right. We think absence of war, but even in the New Testament, it means you're still there's still you'll be in the middle yeah. of the war, right? But you won't experience any of the bad consequences of it, right? The rage and havoc is you're exempt from it. This means right, that that you're going to have not just safety wherever you're at, right? But you're also going to have part of it is that you would have spiritual health physical health, mental health, emotional health, social health, and financial health. Now, when I was on Lieberman's detail, I was his lead advance agent. He's an uh, Orthodox Jew. We'd walk to synagogue on Saturday, on the Sabbath. And um, uh, there at the synagogue that he worshipped at, there was a rabbinical school. And so <laughs> the first day I was with him, it was like right after 9-11, they assigned me to him. And we're walking from his house to the synagogue, which is three miles across Georgetown, D.C., and it's Day of Atonement. I'm like, oh, yeah, Senator, I know about Day of Atonement. The, uh, you know, and so I start telling him about the scapegoat and you know the sacrificial goat and laying the hands on him, what happens with the scapegoat. And I said, that's what we believe what Jesus did and the hypostatic, I just, all this stuff. Yeah. And it just blows his mind. So we walk into the synagogue, and he's like, oh, he tells the rabbi, hey, rabbi, this is Andrew. He knows the Torah better than you. Ooh. I was like, what you, why, why would you do that, man? <laughs> nice to meet me. Right. I'm like, what are you doing? And he just like to spice the gumbo and sit back and watch the fireworks. And he started laughing, right? I'm like, Senator. That's he's awesome. like, well, you know. So then that started the discussion. And then, of course, as we're talking about this, all the rabbinical students gather around. And that there's just something about the Orthodox, right? They just can't they, get enough of they it. They right? love the debate yeah. and the discussion and the intellectual. Yeah. They love it. Love, love, love it. And listen, to be honest with you, I don't mind it that much myself. So, but I just can't, I can't use any New Testament with these guys because anybody, so everything that I have to do is all Old Testament. Everything that I have to, you know, when we're having the discussions. So what I learned from them, I mean, I learned so much from them about the Hebrew and the connotation, right? The, the, the actual definition of shalom, these seven parts of peace, but the slang term, what they, this is their slang for it. Nothing missing, nothing broken. I was like, whoa. Like, that's so much easier to remember than these seven parts, right? So if you could just remember this, this is perfect peace. If you keep your mind, remember, grace and peace comes to you through knowledge of God. And he says, and you'll get peace, peace, a double shot of this, nothing broken, nothing missing, if your mind is stayed on him. And then you trust him. Of course, trust comes from knowledge, right? I didn't trust my wife. The more I get to know her, the more I trust her. The same with God. The more you get to know her or him, the more you trust him. Double shot of nothing missing, nothing broken. So I'd be like, hey, man, nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing missing, nothing broken. Like that's not just one, but exponentially you would have this peace in your life. But it's based on your mind being stayed or focused on him and and the reason that you would keep focusing on him is because as your trust level builds you know listen man i'll say it like this i love starbucks coffee i know that anywhere in the world if i'm walking into starbucks i know exactly what i'm getting when i left like i did four deployments to afghanistan my favorite thing was after we left afghanistan you fly across iran all of a sudden and then you land in dubai guess what they have in the dubai airport Starbucks. Starbucks. Boom. <laughs> I'm, I'm trusting that Starbucks, right, because I have knowledge of Starbucks, right. and I'm thinking about as soon as I land, my first stop is Starbucks. Right. Because I know 
the character of their coffee. Whether you love it or hate it, it still tastes the same all over the world. I happen to love it. This is the same thing with God. I get this double shot of peace because I trust that everywhere he goes, it's going to be the quality is just like I know that the quality of Starbucks. You know what's different in every, every country, though? McDonald's. Really? I didn't know that. Because they use their own, they use local stuff to serve, right? Lo- so everything tastes and, different, right? Oh, yeah. Starbucks, it ain't, man. It's the same. They use the same coffee beans everywhere from the place. Because they don't even, they're not like grown in the U.S. They, they source them from everywhere. Right. So it's the same thing with God, right? Once you know him and you trust him, your mind's going to, you're not going to wander. I don't want, I don't be like, oh, you know what? There's a Starbucks and right next to Starbucks is another coffee, which may, could be, they swear that it's better. But you're not getting my mind stayed off of Starbucks because I trust Starbucks. I might try you if there ain't no Starbucks around. And I just want coffee. Are you following this? This is how it is with God. Once you trust him and you know that you're the quality control with him, what his character is, your mind will be stayed on him. And as you focus on him, you're not going anywhere else because you know it's so great here. You get a double shot of nothing missing, nothing broken. Almost like it won't even occur to you to go somewhere else. There's not well, I would, it doesn't even occur to me. I don't know. It won't get better than that. That's that's my right. That's my cup. Right. Whatever. I mean, and it could be like like right. so. My daughter likes you know uh, Puma stuff. She also likes Adidas stuff. She likes Nike stuff. But whichever one you know. So she does. It's not like that with God. Like we know. Like uh, here's with me. Right. I I like Starbucks coffee. That's the end of it. Mm. I'll take something else, but I know I'm settling, and that's what sin is. Mm. If I go to McDonald's, which they have a decent cup of coffee, it's good. It's, better, it's, it's the next best thing to Starbucks. I'm still settling for less than what my best was. So I'm sinning by getting the Cafe Espresso. No friends. Don't, don't, don't uh, you know, sue me. <laughs> what about Duncan? Where would Duncan fall in that? Man, that's even below McDonald's because it's more Should expensive. Should I have not brought that up? Yeah, it's more expensive, and it doesn't even taste as good. <laughs> I mean, McDonald's is, listen, if you got to settle, settle for McDonald's. That's, what I'm, that's where I'm at. But are you following this? It's the same way yeah. how you feel about these brands. The same, it's the same concept. That's why, because I trust this brand. I trust God's brand, if you will. I trust his character. My mind is stayed on him. It ain't wandering. And then because of those two things, that's the formula. Trust God. Get knowledge of God. Then I trust him. And then because I did them, I stay, I, my mind is focused on him. And because my mind is focused on him, I get a double shot, exponential shot of nothing missing in my life. And, oh, by the way, nothing broken. Mm. Or you could do the long version of I have safety, you know, spiritual health, mental health, emotional health, physical health, social health, and financial health. And we can certainly get into those down the road. And I would, I would say too, is, is especially if we, if we discuss in future shows, uh, guys like like Abraham and, and other people in in the covenant is keep that definition of peace in mind. Those those seven parts and kind of watch for throughout the stories of their lives what what they're experiencing as, as part of the covenant. Um, I'm going to wrap this up. This has been great. Thank you. Good times. For, man. Yeah. So kind of, here's what I learned just to recap quickly on this is that, um, the first time God introduced himself to anyone, to Adam was as the creator. His mission, his purpose was to get everybody back together. Once it all went south is get everybody back together. Right. Um, we talked about life and it, there's three kinds of the word of, Three words for life in right. Greek, biosuke and, and zoe. Zoe literally meaning the life of God. It's perpetual, eternal. It, it literally, it, it does not start when you die. It starts the minute you believe on Jesus. And Correct. we talked about what that means. That that, just that belief is what 
triggers the rebirth. Yes. Spiritual birth. Yes. It's not hokey. It's not, you don't have to feel weird. You don't have to, and if you don't want to call yourself born on Christian, that's okay. It's kind of a. Doesn't matter. You don't have to call yourself a human either, but you're still. Right. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, and then peace. And then we talked about, you know, the different, the difference in the definition from, you know, Greek Irene to, uh, Irene to the, uh, Shalom. Shalom. Mm -hmm. Um, another thing I picked up on that was that God is driven by faith, not by need. You know, he's, Wanting to yeah, meet all Yeah, I just want to say something needs. about that. that yeah. you, people talk about the Old Testament character oh, yeah, of God yeah. and the New Testament character, right? Yeah. Look at that in peace. Which one gives you more comfort? New Testament God peace or wow, Old Testament God peace? It's Old Testament God peace is yeah. way bigger than yeah. New Testament God. But I just started to throw No, it. that's a good point. I didn't think about that. Think about that. Um, but yeah, he's driven by faith, not by need. Yep. And the great news is he's, no matter what, no matter where you're at, what you've done, where you've come from, what you look like, what dare I say, sexual orientation you are, yeah, or whatever. Doesn't even ma- it doesn't matter. It if you've does been not born, matter. if you've been born, if yeah, you're a human. It's available. And oh, by the way, he'll meet you wherever you're at. Yeah, he doesn't care. Don't, you don't, have don't to clean worry. up. Right. Don't <laughs> even worry best. about it. Don't even right. worry. Whatever you're yeah. dealing with, he's coming there. Yep. And listen, I'll come and I'll come and help you too. If you call me, I'm not I, I promise you this. There's a no judgment free zone. I mean, I'm a no judgment zone. You are free of all judgment. Hmm. Now the closer that the more you grow up, the more I'm going to. This is the same thing with me. I require more of my 22 year old than I than I did when he was two years old, mm-hmm. and then when he was six years old, and then when he was 16 years old. I'm still requiring. Right? As he grows up, I'm going to require more of you. That's the same thing. If you you're you're an infant, I'm going to come protect you like the a spiritual infant. I'm going to protect you. I will not be mad at you, just like I would never be mad at any baby. As you begin to grow up. There's going to be more. I'm going to require more of you if you're going to be in my circle. Mm-hmm. But I do, I don't love you any less. But it's not only helping you to set you up for success. Does that make right. sense? It does. Yeah. It okay. Does. Yeah. So, but that's it for today, man. We uh, thanks you all for joining. We look forward to uh, having you back on the next show. Until then, have a great day. Stay healthy, and we'll talk to you soon.